0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by fullscale.io. And we're back back for another episode of Startup Hustle Matt DeCorsi here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. How about mo startup scene? Not like Mo is in Moore, like Mo is in Missouri. Well, if you're not aware, Startup Hustle's from Kansas City. And Kansas City's actually in Missouri, people. So when you watch the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, you're actually watching a Kansas City team that's located in Missouri. Some of you knew that and some people, I just completely changed your reality because most people thought Kansas City was in Kansas. Anyway, Missouri has, and the Midwest has quite the robust startup scene. That's what we're going to talk about today before I introduce today's guest. Today's episode of Startup Hustles powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. You go to FullScale.io to learn more. There's a link in the show notes that will help you get there. So why don't you click that for me? And I will, while you do that, I'll let you know that with me today, I've got Brett Calhoun. He is back. He's been on the show before. He is the managing director and partner at Scale VC, which is a, Scale VC's an accelerator fund and venture studio that invests in monetary and social capital in early stage tech founders and companies who are strengthened by the struggle. So much to talk about. Brett, welcome back to Startup Hustle. Thanks for having me on, Matt. It's good to be back. You know, we, as we discuss Mo startup scene, you like what I did there?
1: I did. Yeah. Super clever, right? Yeah. It gets into our, uh, Mo SW <laughs> Missouri startup weekend coming up soon too. <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a
0: second. Is that now that's actually about to occur. I think that's going to maybe already have happened by the time this comes out.
1: Yeah. It's this upcoming weekend, March 10th. Um, the quick the on Missouri Startup Weekend is essentially you can launch a startup in 54 hours with resources to actually make that dream come to life and meet the uh, the talent, the mentors, advisors, potential investors. And if you win, uh, you get free legal formation, you get a month of PR, you get uh, accepted into Scales Next Cohort, which we can talk into about in a minute with a potential investment. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity for any entrepreneurs across Missouri, Kansas and beyond. So let's talk about scale
0: for a second. Cause we, you know, here at Startup Hustle, we're trying to tell you the real story of entrepreneurship and also trying to give you good advice when it comes to getting the things that you need to get your business going. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited about scale, which I am an investor in that fund just to be upfront about that. Um, that uh, is not why you're on the show today, though. Um, you're on the show because I like to point people in the right direction when it comes to, well, you, your fund provides a necessary service that I wish I saw more of uh, nationwide, which is seed stage capital. So why don't you give us a little bit of background about that, sir?
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's good to start with the origin story on scale, um, why we're in Columbia, Missouri, and, and start there. So uh, my partners in scale started a company called Equipment Share back in 2015. They went through Y Combinator, ultimately decided to keep the company in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, fast forward today, it's, you know, roughly, it's, it's multi-billion in revenue. It's a top 25 YC company. You know, they'll, they'll probably go public in the near future, but extremely successful founders, humble people, um, great to work with. And there was a few different motivations to start scale. One was, you know, as you can imagine generational wealth was is built through that company building journey. But what's even more valuable is the knowledge that's created that can be reinvested into founders and helping them go from that zero to one phase or beyond that. Um, and so scale is really an investment arm to make a material impact in early stage founders. Um, other motivations were every investor passed on equipment share back in 2015 locally. So a half a billion dollars was lost here. That went to the coastal investors. Um, other, other things were, you know, wanting to start a fund that was that investor they wish they would have had when they originally started the company. Um, and I think what makes us unique is obviously not the capital, because well, everybody has capital. You can get capital from a lot of places, but what you can't get from a lot of places is founders who have built multi-billion dollar companies who are involved on an intimate level with founders, whether it's taking calls during the day, at night, on the weekends. Um, we have a highly responsive, humble team who's there to listen, be helpful. Um, and I think that's what ultimately makes us unique. And then we are filling a gap in Missouri because if you look at the the capital landscape across the state, there's not really anything for those pre-seed founders or, you know, pre-revenue early traction. Um, that capital is almost non-existent. There's not a ton of angels here. And so, yeah, we're, we're filling a gap here and, and beyond for founders who are struggling, whether they're in the Midwest or, because of a certain demographic or because they don't have the pedigree, it doesn't matter.
0: Now with that at scale though, and we should clarify this, like listeners from all over, not just Missouri can apply and participate. So there's a link in the show notes for that. And uh, once again, that is the, the, the niche that you're filling there is that earliest of stages, um, which you know, so many people I talk to when I'm out and about in the world, wherever I'm at, Talking about this stuff to people, they well, I'm having a hard time just getting started. Well, that's what I like about your fund. That's also why I participated and became a an LP there. It's fancy, fancy terms there, and you know, also I'll be I'll be participating in your uh, your uh, uh, mentoring. Program. And as you mentioned, like the, sometimes, sometimes what, what's worth more the money or the advice and input, or sometimes an introduction, who knows, man, but that's, there's a lot of valuable things there. So, you know, like wh- how many, let's talk about the last like cohort you did. And I think you have a you know, go, go to the scale BC site. Cause you know, people are going to listen to this long, long into the future. And there's always something coming up. You know, like, so if you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh, I probably missed it because it's an older episode. No, you probably didn't. You just need to get on board with another thing. So, you know, what like for some of the cohorts that have run recently, like what is what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So we context, we started scale um, June of twenty twenty one. So we've gone through three cohorts now. Uh, Last one kicked off. It was end of September, and then we we wrapped it up around January. We had seven companies in that cohort, and um, some have gone on to raise follow on capital. Some have gone on to um, not need to raise capital yet, but have been getting traction. And those are companies across the U.S. We've got companies here locally in Columbia. We've got one in St. Louis. Um, there's one in New York. We got one in Palo Alto. So we're fully across the U.S. and every single company is in a different industry as well, uh, which makes, you know, the job fund is being an agnostic fund um, because in the, in the, the reasoning behind being agnostic is that we're hyper focused on the people when we're making investments. So we start with looking at on a personal level, what are your traits, habits, characteristics that would make you a successful founder? What is your chip on the shoulder? What is your personal connection passion? Why are you going to persevere through this? And then we do look at, I mean, other things that are important is obviously, how do you articulate what you're doing? Can you raise capital? Can you hire people? Can you sell your vision to customers? Um, And then do you have the technical skills on the team to build the company? Um, In terms of ideas, those change and uh, startups pivot. In fact, I've got one right now. Um, This is, I'll I'll walk through this this founding team, but they're a, a perfect representation of what we like to see. They had bootstrapped their company um, to about 80K a monthly revenue as a as a delivery company locally for college students, and you know, struggled to raise capital, never been exposed to the venture world, actually slept in the warehouse for like six or seven months as they were bootstrapping this business, brought them into scale, helped them launch a second location, raise a little bit of an angel capital. And through that process, they are doing about 150k a month of revenue now, but through that process, they realized. Um, and this is one reason I love the founders, not just because they're scrappy and persevere, but they're always finding a better way to do things. And they had built such a good app for their own delivery and logistics and inventory management that they're like, holy, holy, holy moly. We could uh, we could license this app out to other small businesses, medium, middle market, SMBs, brick and mortar, whoever, um, to actually be the operating stack to replace like the million apps that you're trying to use as a small business owner. And the app is phenomenal. And like they they struggle to raise capital as a delivery company because so many people have been burned as a delivery company. It's so capital intensive. The market's awful, but had found another even better, bigger market to go into. And that's just like a testament for the kind of companies we're looking for. Struggled to raise capital in the Midwest, never been exposed to venture, but have now found a way and are getting some serious I we'll see if they raise around, but have gotten some seriously positive traction from VC funds across the US.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of the entrepreneur journey is a lot of times you build something and you realize, well, you know, you look at full scale, you know, full scale didn't start as full scale. I mean, we, we, we weren't even planning on providing services to other businesses. And because of this podcast and people we knew, and this is huge shortage of developers, people just kept asking, Matt Watson and I, they kept saying, what do we need to do to get on what you guys are doing over in the Philippines? Now I've been had employees in the Philippines since 2009. So I have quite a bit of expertise and experience with that, but you know, we kind of pivoted, um, you know, slightly, I don't know if it was pivoted. We, we decided to take up both lanes, not just one. And, you know, started, you know, kind of beta client one, beta client two, beta client three over a three month period. And next thing you know, it was like pretty obvious that there was a big problem that needed to be solved. And that that was probably a a much more worthwhile undertaking than just working on gigabook.com, which is what Matt and I originally did. So sometimes, you know, you realize you're building something for one thing, and then there's like a high level of utility. But if you never build it, then you never get to figure that out. And that's part of that entrepreneur's journey, you know, like, yeah. And I, and so part of what you're talking about, you, you know, you're, you got like a delivery app and you're competing with 10 million other things that have massive war chests to compete against your not massive war chests. So yeah, you can always find some, some different things. Now you've got a new cohort that you know, I'm here at scale hyphen VC. Once again, there's a link in the show notes for that. And I can, if I want to, I can apply to your cohort four here, and that would be a twelve-week boot camp of building with your team plus capital, and that can occur remote or in person. Um, When does that? When does that? I've got till April seventh, according to this, twenty twenty-three. So there's still, if you're listening to this in a in a in a more real-time setting, uh, you got time to get in there and. Uh, yep. pretty lightweight to get in and, and, and apply here. Uh, what what do we need to know about cohort four?
1: Yep. So we're we're accepting applicants until April 7th. We'll be making investments between now and April 7th, and that'll be 50 to 150K investments. Um, starting May 1st is when we actually kick off the bootcamp cohort program, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's a little bit different than traditional accelerators. We don't we don't necessarily have everybody fly in and work in a room together and learn how to do sales and have like a classroom setting and strictly tracked each other's KPIs. Um, it's more of a relationship where we say, Hey, we don't want to pull you away at all from your business, build your company, let us know how we can support you. And that's more on an intimate level. So if they wanted to you know, talk with Willie Schlacks, one of my partners at scale, you know, eight eight AM or eight PM at night or on the weekends, like that. We're extremely responsive and here to help. And then we're essentially hustling a long time alongside the founders. With you know, if they need help sourcing talent, if they need help sourcing investors, getting customer intros, partner intros, redoing their pitch decks, or financial modeling, or maybe even role playing a negotiation with an investor, like that's where we we're here to be. Um, it's more white glove. So every founder. That we bring in is most likely going to be at a different stage or life cycle of their company, and they're all going to need something different. And that's when I—that's one reason why you know I was going back to being an agnostic fund that we can kind of move our our intangible value across different industries. And that said, um, if founders are building in like prop tech, fintech, construction tech, or um, building products that. One of our advisors companies or lps companies or or our team's companies can leverage so for example equipment share has i don't know four thousand plus employees and if you're building an hr tech product well and if it's a good match for equipment share there's a high possibility we can bring you a large customer who's not going to care if the product product breaks in the early days it's like a pilot user So, like there's a little extra value we can add for certain industries um they go beyond just like the founder level stuff um that's not necessarily what we lean into because there is some level of struggle you want to have in your startup building journey with getting those first customers you don't want everything being handed to you um so we don't start there we start with the founder level insights um and then go to support but
0: i like that it sounds like it sounds like an accelerator built by founders for founders um (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like what we do at Full Scale, dude. It's like, hey, there's like the way that, that a lot of other people do it. And then there's that, there's something to be said, though, about that insight. You know, I mentioned like the Full Scale example, like, you know, we were our own clients, essentially, before we took anyone else on and we had a strong grasp of what startups needed and the access to it. it's like all the way down to like, like our billing model is a set monthly price it's not hourly because well a you could benefit sometimes people on the teams get really excited and they put in a passionate amount of work okay but it's also just about knowing that you need to have a predictable billing and expense model you know not something that's all over the place or and you know and creating like a thing where you know you like we don't do any project work because we have a firm belief that founders need to have their sleeves rolled up and be involved in the process. And, you know, some people want to be a tech company and then they hire a company to, at a set rate, to give them a product and hand it over to them like all these months later. And you don't end up knowing any, you don't know shit about what you've built at that point. And you also don't have a whole lot of insight or, I don't know, you there's 10 million things that you're going to change your mind about on the way from conception to launch. So, all right. So with the accelerator fund, like how many companies are you going to pick?
1: Um, so ish, ish. six to eight, probably it it, de- it depends on how much we're offering companies too. Cause obviously we have a finite amount of capital. We also have a finite amount of time and there's a, you know, certain level. If you pick too many companies, it kind of s- spreads our team too thin. So. Yep. Six to eight companies. Um, I would I would assume six. We've got one already locked in, and I think we've got an offer on the way here pretty soon to another company. So, if you're listening to this on March twenty second, I think when the episode's coming out, you should probably apply pretty quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you get that in there. And I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at what it takes to sign up. I mean, it's it's obviously an application. I like the, I like that there's. So you'll also do one of my favorite things, which is the disc personality assessment. Um, If you've never done one of those at a minimum, go, you go find a place that'll let you do a free one online. You will learn a lot about yourself. So actually in my, my first book Balance me, there's an entire section in the book about personality styles and disc. And I think as an entrepreneur, like I, I got into, into that. Uh, it was actually long before I ever owned a business is I was just a salesperson. And I realized I was really good at selling to one type of customer and really bad at selling to a different kind. And I learned a lot about myself and how to recognize other people's personality, styles and traits, which made it a lot easier to communicate. So people want to be communicated to in the language that they understand. And I don't just mean English or Spanish. I meant like the actual like, the things that they're looking for that are important to them and it can make a big difference. And it's a big team building component too. So, and some, some of that stuff will actually like remind you of the shit you shouldn't be doing. Like I am not a always a, a, during the process of building stuff. I'm not always incredibly detail oriented, although I do think the details are important, but that comes with my personality style. Cause I move really fast, which yep. means I probably wouldn't be a good accountant. <laughs> because I won't stop and look for that missing 25 cents I will just write it off, which is like uh for me it feels efficient, and for uh accountants, it just makes them angry yeah so, so
1: i i I quickly realized that i um I actually started out i went to undergrad for accounting, I got the cPA and then I did an internship in public accounting quickly realized that you know it it was maybe that wasn't for you projects, but yeah, it wasn't for me. I am not the detail oriented person because I'm always trying to move a million miles an hour. Um, I mean, details matter. I think that's one one lesson I've probably learned through stuff with in, in my career is like the last 1% is just as important as the other 99% for certain things. And depending on who you're dealing with, if you're dealing with like the top 1% of people, you want to make sure you have a hundred percent of the details um, correct? Because that's, in some cases could be the difference between good and great for some things. Um, but yeah, I'm the same way. I, I get bored easy, little details I tend to look over. But anyways. Well, and
0: that, but that's, that's the thing though, because you fit certain, like most founders are um, are highly driven. They're like the type D, the drive. The drive type, which, by the way, comes with a lot of upside and a lot of downside. All personality styles do. So when you're building a team, um, you know, there's something to be said about having different personality styles, having different people that like if you're trying to build, if you want a co-founder, find someone that's good at or at least likes doing the stuff that you don't. um, And then you got a good start there. So when you, look at, when you look at a company, so let's just say I just applied here, like, what are you going to look at about me? Like, what are the things that matter or are important? What what's, what makes me stand out and what makes me look like an idiot?
1: Yeah, i I would say a lot. We get a decent amount of organic leads applying, but I do talk to quite a few founders before they apply as well. So sometimes I have a little context prior to reading through applications, but I think a few things that stand out to me are one is the question. It's like, what is your life's greatest struggle? And so it's like trying to understand how they view their own struggle and how they normalize that or don't normalize it. But what is that and how have they dealt with it and how has that influenced them building a company today? Um, another thing in the application we look at is the 60 second video that you, that you put up. Um, That's not necessarily just about, that's not really for the idea. Most people applying are probably thinking it's all about the idea, but it's more how you articulate what it is that you're doing. Because that's going to be a make it a break. Like there's like two really important things with a tech startup. It's having the tech skills to actually be able to build the product that you're trying to build, um, you know, and then having that influenced by what customers are telling you through discovery. And the other is being able to articulate what you're doing, being able to break these very complex things down into simple things because you can't articulate what you're doing. You can't get people excited. You can't raise capital from investors. You're going to have struggle to hire people because in the early days, you got to hire people at below market rates and sell the vision of your company because you're essentially paying them with the equity that could be worth something in the future. And then three, it's you got to get those early customers who are going to believe in your product. And if you can't articulate it, they're not going to, they're not going to believe in your product. Um, so those are the most important things we look for. All the questions though, definitely have a purpose. It's like, you know, how have you solved problems in the past? How do you, how do you think about that with your existing company? What do you do in your free time? What are you always tinkering with? How are you continuously learning? You know, those typical things that you would look for in a founder or anybody. I mean, it's at this stage of investing, it's almost like recruiting talent. And so that's kind of what we're doing.
0: So do you want to do you want? All right. So I'll ask you the question. I may have asked you this last time. So do you bet on the jockey or the horse? Definitely the jockey. That's good. That's a good answer. And that's also still the only answer I've ever received on that question on this show. Like it's, I mean, it's universal. And, and with that, you know, I think that's an important thing for if you're listening you're a founder, you want to be like, Look, when you go in, when you go into pitch your business, especially in the earliest stages, people are investing in you. And some of that, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, is investing in you, being able to have the ability to steer the ship in a direction that makes sense. And sometimes when you start in those earliest stages, that's not always the course you set when you left port, you know, because you run into storms and you run into pirates and you run into rocks you know, and stuff like that. The question is, is are you one of those people that's just going to see the rocks coming and then just ride the boat right into them? Or are you going to change course, chart a different direction, get yourself back on path? And, you know, like, I just find that there's some people and I know you get this too. You just sit down and talk to some people and you're like, eh, I feel pretty good that this person will figure something out or they will be a good represent like representative of the company. And the, so the solutions and benefits that it provides, meaning a salesperson. So when I've talked to people in the past, that's what they're always enamored with with me. They're like, oh dude, I think you could sell anything. I think you could promote anything. I think you could hype or market anything. Well, yeah, there's but that, you know, that that's a great thing, but you still have to be able to build something. But I run into too many people that are great at building shit and suck at selling it. I'm sure you get run into that a lot. Like talk to people. I'm like, you guys are brilliant at building software and they're not even making an attempt to sell or market it. And I'm like, what do you, well, we're waiting until we've built it. Okay. Well then you're going to die on the vine because you've waited too long. Like you should start being read. You should, you should be, if you haven't already started selling what it is that you do as you're starting the company, then you're probably waiting too long.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard to find the the ones who are really good on the business side, being able to sell, articulate, also have technical skills on the team and then can also execute. Like, you know, there's a lot of founders that can put together a beautiful plan about what's going to happen in the future. But if you can't execute on it, it, it it's, it's meaningless. It's worthless. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time. So another thing I get is like, oh, you're an ideas guy. I mean, yeah. Ideas aren't worth shit execution is the, is the currency in which businesses and startups essentially, uh, specifically trade in because, like, I don't know, I've seen a lot of people and projects and things that had a lot of promise that just didn't have a lot of hype because they're not good at creating it. So what back to that whole thing on that founder level, like, you know, like I'm a non-technical founder, although I get a lot of people that disagree with me when I say that, but I don't write code. So I don't consider myself to be, I'm technical in a hundred other ways uh, and toolsy and clever, but I don't write code. I write checks and both there's, there's value in both of those things. But with that, you know, I've, that's, I've got Watson who is highly technical and he doesn't like, although he does a, a good job, he doesn't enjoy or feel as natural with the hype or the selling side of things. So that's the role I play. You know, and that's the thing. So, how are you going to fill that gap? Now, let's say I ha- I apply, and you're like, "Hey, this guy's brilliant technically." Are you going to try and help? Maybe find? Does the does scale help me? Maybe find other people, contributors, or founders that can fill that that problematic gap in my in my lineup?
1: Yes, and we've actually done that before. Um, we second cohort, we did have a company where. Prior to investing, we helped them find a CTO, um, which ultimately led, led us to having conviction in that investment, knowing that they had the the skill sets on the team to to carry out and execute what they were trying to do. Um, and we had absolutely loved the the founder who was you know probably a similar personality to you Matt and just had to find had to find his Matt Watson to his Matt course
0: <laughs> Well, then that can be. A, I mean, that's yeah, I. <laughs> I'm going to piss some people off when I say this. I think it's easier to find the technical people, because tech and and because uh, the technical people are out there, and it's easy to. Well, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's a lot more tangible to quantify the skill set of a technical person. Like that's what we do at Full Scale. Dude, we've got 48 different certifications that you know, you can take tests or we can use to assess your skill level. And we can benchmark that in a, in a very, in a very predictable way. Uh, yeah. What you can't, it's difficult to do that on the other side when it comes to people like sales leadership, like, I mean, dude, there's not like a, 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 like we have coding assessments that you like here, here's the problem, solve it. And like, that's a lot easier. Like you can say, yes, you solved it or you didn't, or maybe you solved part of it. But yeah. the the sales and leadership side of things is is a challenge because I don't know, man. I think a lot of people, a lot of people will, you know, I think a lot of people just, you know, you, you're just, I don't know. They, they think they can sell. Then you show up and you're like, where the fuck is the guy
1: I talked to in the interview? Yep. So. Um, it's probably easier to, attract a technical person as someone who's really good at selling as vice versa because um, you're going to do a better job at selling the vision and trying to you know sway that person to leave whatever it is they're doing to join you making way below market rates as a technical co-founder um so that that makes sense
0: Yeah. And then, you know, but I don't know, man, it's a, dude, there's a, that's the end of the yang kind of thing. Now, one thing that I I get a lot of people that have over the years asked, like, how do I find a co-founder? Start talking about it. Like where dude, be a bigger problem solver. How about Facebook, Instagram, chat groups, Reddit, like go, like, I don't know, make some noise, go to events, go look for it. Like if you're not an, I like the, The best entrepreneurs do not hear the word no and just quit. They go and find, like, why do I have 300 employees in the Philippines? It's because in 2009, I couldn't find the kind of programmer I needed in the United States. There weren't PHP developers in the United States. I needed that specifically to build what I needed to do, and I needed to go hire someone either in India or the Philippines was basically what it came down to. I didn't know anyone in the Philippines, so I called... A, a guy that owns that lives here in Kansas city that owns a cleaning company he's Filipino. And they had been that my parents had used their service for over 20 years. I called the guys Del Rivera and thank you Del for, for giving me this advice. I called him up. I was like, Hey Del, it's Matt de He's like, Hey Matt. I'm like, I need to hire some computer programmers. And he goes, you know, I clean houses, right? <laughs> I was like, yes. I do. I was like, but I also know you're from the Philippines and he gave me great advice. I was like, do I need to go to Manila? Cause that's the only city I'd ever heard of. He's like, no, you need to go to Cebu. It's like the Silicon Valley of the Philippines. I was like, never heard of it. But I went (laughs) and I I placed an ad there and that, you know, here, fast forward, I've got 250 of my 300 employees are in the Cebu region. Great advice. And that just came because I went out and asked some people. You know, like I literally got the coordinates of where I should set up the, the technical presence of my business then and now from a dude that owns a cleaning company, get out there and ask for it is the thing. So, yeah. And I think that's what the, I think that's what the agitators and disruptors, uh, you know, are going to do. So, how, so dude, how do you gauge? The, so you talk about like, let's talk about disk. like
1: what are you looking for in a desk profile? So there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. And we don't really use that as something to make an investment decision upon. It's more of a data point. Um, and it's really useful too, prior to doing, so we do like applications and we have interviews it's very um, beneficial to do prior to the interview, because you can understand, you know, how somebody kind of operates from a personality perspective prior to digging into how they're thinking about the customers and building their company. So you can phrase questions in a certain way. So say, you know, somebody with a high D profile with low everything else, you might want to dig into how they're thinking about their customers and the detail they're thinking about them because that could be something they're missing. Um, Or Those people will also be really hard drivers like
0: their commentary doesn't always land well with introverts and in a tech company that could be a problem because most like developers are more uh, along the line on the, on the, well, if we have to go type A or type B, which isn't true a disc format, but
1: they're more, usually more type B introverted. Exactly. And there's, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong personality profile. I think it's also good personally just to understand what your personality type is and where some of um, I guess some of the gaps that you might have to fill or be cognizant of as you're working with other people or working on teams or, you know, if you have a co-founder and like understanding what their personality is and it's like, Oh, that makes sense. Why we've always kind of butted heads on this or, you know, we also look at that too when there's multiple founders and it's not just sole founder. It's like, do these people mesh well together from a personality perspective? Um, those yeah. things are very important. It's, I mean, uh, yeah, I, one of the first companies we had invested in or had looked at investing in when we first started scale, yeah, personality profiles kind of collided right before, you know, making an investment decision, the founders split. And yep. as, so it, it it is important. I mean, we don't necessarily make investments because of someone's personality, but it's it helps us work with teams, helps us gauge, you know, ways to, to frame our questions and how to, how to look at them from a different lens.
0: Well, and I think one of the things that people kind of overlook, they think, oh, their personality styles are similar. They'll get along wrong. You have two high, like highly driven people. They'll either like form a superhero Voltron kind of thing and take (laughs) over the planet, or they will just kill each other.
1: It's most likely the latter. So
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm right about that communication thing because I run into that myself, and that's part of what I've had to like, you know. On some days, um, you know, I have to remind myself that that my while I consider my direct my direct and candid way of communicating to be efficient and appreciated, not everybody does. So, you know, it's like you kind of get into that. Now with that though, I I do love the drive component because especially in a founder, because that's a go, go, go. Like those, yeah. there's usually like, like, I mean, there's a high correlation, like, okay, so the, the, these personality assessments and they're not a test people, it's an assessment or just a measuring stick, because there's no right or wrong personality type. All it's going to do is give you some insight about. So w- with your own personality type, when you're under stress or pressure, which you will be as an entrepreneur, you're, or you're tired, um, your worst traits are going to show up. Yep. And so being able to understand that about yourself, and then also the people around you is a very magical thing. And it really helps you learn how to how to communicate with people. And You know, and, and that's the thing. So like when I'll talk, so my wife is the opposite personality style of me, and that's probably why she can stick around. She's a good listener and she's patient. She can put up with my shit and, you know, and that's, you know, but I have to take a different approach to things because I can't just be like, give me the bottom line and give it to me now because that's the way I am in my thought process. And for that, for the type B people, they care a lot more about the process. So you get a good balancing act in there. But I think it's really where it's really powerful as a leader is it really helps you understand. Like for me, when I know I'm clearly talking to an introverted person, you can see I'm softening my tone a little bit. I'll slow down because like, they don't want to see me as being fast and erratic and blah, 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 blah. Yep. slow down a little bit. And you talk about the process, not just the outcome, because the details matter to different people in different ways. So yeah, I have it, yet, to, I have yet to meet a salesperson that was not, that was a type B that was actually any good at being a salesperson, by the way.
1: Yep. And have it, you? It, it matters through, I have not either. And like okay. that's, so this all started with, um, so Willie Javik used that when hiring employees at Equipment Share, let's do a lot of other companies, but. And it always matters because um, early days, it's it's like, hey, I want to understand what mine and my co-founder's profiles are. But as you get beyond like the seed stage phase, the importance of the company is shifted from the founding team to the culture and the employees and then the longevity of a company. So like one of the reasons I would and I would assume William Jevic would probably agree with this the success of Equipment Share is because they were, they managed to be really, really good at hiring the right people. And they were able to scale the business because they had the right talent under, um, under Equipment Share. And part of that was because they used things like DISC to try to fit people in the right teams and, and pair the right people together. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a good tool in that regard. All right, so
0: here we are. We're at the end of another episode of Start a Puzzle, which was powered by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Look, if you want to learn more about how you can participate, seek investment, get involved on any on a number of different levels, whether you are here in the Kansas City area which is where Startup Hustle is for those that didn't know that. But you can get involved from anywhere in this. Go to scale-bc.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. Brett, what do you want to say on the way out?
1: Yep, so we got a few exciting initiatives we're working on. Obviously, we've got the uh, more Missouri Startup Week coming up on March 10th, where I think we, we're probably going to have a sellout. We've got 150 tickets open, and I think I have five left. So we should have a sellout for that event. Um, other things we're doing just launched the Scale Mentor Network, which uh, Matt, you're going to be part of. And we've got about seven, 75 plus amazing mentors in there, people from across the US who have built companies, taken companies public, invested in companies. Um, really excited about the network effects that we can bring to the heart of Missouri. Um, other things we've started too are like Flyover Tech, which is really a Slack community bringing together people from all these different flavor ecosystems. So essentially connecting all the nodes. So if you think of Columbus, Ohio, Columbia, Missouri, Kansas city, they're good startup ecosystems, but they're not great. It's not Silicon Valley. It's not New York. Those are great startup, startup ecosystems that have just talent, knowledge, capital network effects flowing. Um, there's, all these uh, communities don't have everything. So trying to connect them and maximizing network effects and connecting the nodes across flyover communities is what we're trying to do there. So if you're interested in that or you're entrepreneur, investor, ecosystem builder, whoever join our Slack, or our Slack channel. And then more recently, might have to cut this part out, but um, launching scale fun too. And we've got some amazing um, LPs joining like Matt DeCorsi. Uh, we've got University of Missouri, which we're bringing in shelter insurance. Uh, with the University of Missouri, we'll be launching a student accelerator on campus where our team will be supporting the efforts of that accelerator and the student center there uh, for the entire University of Missouri system. We've got about 30 LPs. 90% of them are local Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Columbia, St. Louis. And most of them are all operators, people who have built companies and so we're really excited to bring together the community to get excited about early stage investing and really bringing a new asset class to investors in Columbia and beyond. Because to this day, there really hasn't been any opportunities for investing at this early stages, and um, that's all I got.
0: Well, for those of you listening, you know my freestyle on the way out. You know, hey, give it a shot. What do you got to lose? I think that I talked to so many people that. I I don't know. It's not uncommon for me to have a conversation with someone and they're like, I'm like, how's everything been going? Oh, well, we didn't get funded. I'm like, cool. How many people do you reach out to? They're like, dude, like 10. You're (laughs) like 90 short of the average. But I mean, I've talked to so many people that you like, I want to go back to what I said earlier. Like, you really want it don't like, no, isn't really a word. You understand, like, you got to go find the resources, find the help, find the mentorship, find any of that stuff. And you're not, look, if you're sitting around and waiting for opportunity to come to you, or you're waiting for the quote, right time, it's not going to happen. It doesn't, it's not how, that's not how this shit works. Like you got to go out and, 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 you know, go chase that go chase it, go look for it. And, you know, I'm a big advocate of any early stage company, regardless of how awesome you think you are without programs like scale, get in them because these are badges that you earn that add to your credibility. They add to your investability. You're going to learn stuff. You're going to meet other people like look, you have a better chance of getting more moving forward or getting like get powerful people or experienced people or wealthy people or just even peers involved in what you're doing because what you'll find is entrepreneurs like helping other entrepreneurs. And that's exactly what they've created at scale. And, and, you know, I think that that's pretty awesome. So I'm looking forward to participating in this with you, Brett, and thanks for joining us again.
1: Thanks for having me. Looking forward to continuing this relationship.
0: Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
1: like we do it